We acknowledge the First Nations people as the traditional custodians of the land we are on today. We acknowledge and pay respect to all elders, past, present and emerging. The Now and the Future podcast is an exciting way of sharing members' stories of opportunities, challenges and provide support and expert advice for Down Syndrome community. Down Syndrome Queensland's vision is to support, advocate for empower people with Down Syndrome to take their rightful places as valuable and contributing members of their community both now into the future. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 3 of the Now and Future podcast. In this episode, we talk to a teacher, a student, and one of the founders of the Latron program, which Down Syndrome Queensland runs in Brisbane, Gold Coast, Toowoomba, and soon the Sunshine Coast. Latron is a literacy program for adults with intellectual disability. The program was developed by the University of Queensland based on their enormous amount of research into people with Down syndrome. Our guests on today's episode are Janet Reed, who is the program teacher in Toowoomba. Janet will give us an overview of a normal day in the Latchon classroom and some of her highlights from delivering the program. I speak briefly with Josh, who is a student in the program, and Josh's sister, who has seen how Josh's confidence has increased and how he has started to explore other options in the community. Our final guest is Dr. Anne Jobling, who often needs no introduction. Anne was a part of developing Latchon in the very beginning and she gives us an insight into the program's development and ongoing research. I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to the podcast, Janet. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, is this, I think this is the first time you've been interviewed on the podcast, is it? Yeah, it certainly is. First yeah. podcast. Oh, good. Well, um, I'll go easy on you. Um, we're going to talk <laughs> about... You. Latron, I wanted to, um, so you're the teacher of our Latron program in Toowoomba. The first question I was going to ask you is, it's now been, um, I think you've been in the job for eight months. You've been delivering this program since uh, the beginning of the year, I think. So I wanted to ask you to sort of reflect back on when we you first expressed an interest in the position and I sort of explained the program to you. Eight months in now, is it what you were expecting? And then I guess I'll lead into, yeah, to if you could describe the program to me. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I was excited from the from the outset, I'll be honest about that, um, because I had heard about the program before um, and I knew a little bit about um, the success that had come about from it. But once I got started, honestly, it wasn't until I'd really gotten into the program a few weeks and saw the students at work that I fell in love with it and um, it just continues. Um, my love of the program continues to grow as time goes by. Oh, good. And seriously, good. every day, yeah, every day I look forward to going to work and, and being a part of it. Now, you mentioned you'd, you were aware of the Latron program already, so you were probably aware of um, Dr. Anne Jobling's name as well, who's been a big part of it. We're going we're gonna to talk to Anne a little bit later in the podcast as well. Um, and I'm going to ask her this question. I'll, I'll ask you now. If, if you Talk to someone in the street or you get an inquiry from a parent. What sort of words do you use to describe what the Latron program is? 
Well, um, inspirational, that's the first word that comes to mind, uh, empowering, life-changing, inclusive, um, confidence-building. Good. They're the type of words that I'd use. Um, yeah. It's, you know, if you, if, you were, if you were looking into a classroom, I think, you know, you would see motivated learners, collaboration, friendship, risk-taking, laughter, support, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, that paints a pretty good picture. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, um, there's, I imagine there's probably um, people that are listening to the podcast also might know a little bit about Latch On. It's a, it's a literacy program for people with intellectual disability. But what does it look like sort of day-to-day? What does sort of a normal normal class session? I know every day is different, but generally speaking, what are sort of the fundamentals that you go through each day? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the beautiful thing about Latch On is that it's all about a community of learners. So it really is that. So from the beginning of the, the day to the end of the day, it really is a group of people who are working um, on very similar goals towards, you know, that literacy and independence and stuff. So I suppose the day always starts with, you know, creating that safe space, which yep. I think is super important. So everyone comes in and they feel welcomed. Um, they feel um, safe, they feel comfortable, and then they're willing to take risks throughout the day and challenge themselves as learners. So that creating the safe space is the first bit. Then the morning moves into we have lots of oral literacy activities. Um, For example, one of our activities is that we do is speed chat. So all of our students... um, stand in a circle. We have five on the outside, usually five on the inside, and they spend about one minute talking to each person about a set question. So, for example, the first one might be, how are you today? And then they spend time chatting and then they'll move on to the next person and talk about, uh, would you prefer to go to the movies or a restaurant? Or So it's just developing those conversation skills and um, it kind of gets that oral language started for the day and it's a really nice way for people to connect with each other. Yeah, and I know um, I, I have seen, I think I've seen that activity in the classroom with your group and I recall that there are some in the group that have um, low verbal skills, so they still participate equally, don't they? Oh, yeah, everybody yeah. does. And it's probably those students that now we're starting to hear, you know, some more words come out uh, being more responsive and understanding what the other person is talking to them about. So definitely it's for, it, it, it works for everyone in the room. Yeah, yeah. because um, I have had sort of on the reading and writing stuff as well, sometimes I'll get inquiries from um, carers, parents, family members, and they'll say, oh, my loved one, I'm interested in this, but my loved one can't read or write. And my response is generally that doesn't matter. Not at all. And we have a student who is nonverbal and understands his receptive language is um, actually based on Auslan and yep. so and visuals, and we incorporate that into it. So, and some of our other students are now actually learning some Auslan as well. So, yeah, very. Okay. It's all differentiated and very inclusive, no matter what where you're sitting in terms of developmental language. Yeah. Good. Now I interrupted you. You were talking about a normal day. Now that's good. So following that, we keep we um, go on to our um, reading cycle. So the day has like an oral literacy component and there's always a reading cycle and a writing cycle. So our reading cycle is about shared reading experience of text. 
uh, learning new vocabulary and and working on comprehension and those kind of things. And it's all based on the topic of the day or the week. Um, so they'll be using the same language in their oral literacy that they're using in their reading cycle. So it's building on that language from the beginning of the day into the end of the day. Uh, and then we do this great activity, which is also an oral activity called Hot Seat. And that gives every student in the class an opportunity to be the person that talks about their thing of interest or um, provide a report or be the, be the centre for that moment and the other students in the class to ask them questions. So it really develops that, you know, active listening, um, the communication skills, eye contact, turn-taking, general conversation skills um, and oral comprehension and that sort of thing. So we do that and then we move on to morning tea where they actually get to practice all this stuff in real life. All of that before is, morning tea. It's all before morning tea. It's a busy place. We don't we don't sit around and they don't realise how much they're doing. That's the beautiful part about it. Yeah, and I guess the um, other thing with this is as well, it's um, which I think I'm going to talk about later in the podcast as well, is that it's certainly it's an adult learning environment, isn't it? So there's, oh. you know, there, there's no room for mucking around really. You get straight in and you get some work done. No, it is. It is definitely adult and, you know, and I always, you know, talk to the students and it's about decision them decision-making and choice-making. They're there because they are motivated to learn. Yep. And in After Morning Tea we run our writing cycle and you, you know, it's a beautiful thing to see when you look in, around that room, I, every single student, without a lie, is 100% motivated to complete their writing task and publish it because it's, it is adult, it's purposeful, you know, there's an audience um, and you can hear a pin drop yeah. in that room because they're so, so keen and motivated to do it. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, how, how wide is the, sort of the, the range of writing skills that are in the group? Um, so we have some students who are at a word, so they will use a choice board uh, to choose single words to put into a sentence. Yep. Um, and then we have students who are writing quite complex um, paragraphs and um, pieces of text in different genres and have a good understanding of that. So a huge disparity amongst the students um, which is really exciting and it's really, it's actually a lot of fun to plan for. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's, so, that's sort of, that's a concern that I get sometimes from um, people who inquire about the program is that they're not sure sort of what level the activities are pitched at. But yeah. I, I try to explain to them that the program um, really caters for any level of, you know, capacity and skill in this area, doesn't it? Yeah. And the, the great thing about the program, like it is, it gives a, a broad, um, it gives a great bones and it gives the ways of working. So it gives the, okay, we do our oral language um, reading and writing cycles, but there's a lot of room in there to adapt to individual student need and interest because it is, a, well, it is a strength-based program. So that's what it's actually about. So it's very individualised um, while they're working in those uh, communities of, of learners. So it really doesn't matter what level you're at and there's and I've seen students from who are at the um, emergent, you know, reader-writer right up to the quite um, accomplished reader-writer improve. Yeah. And they've all got, they've all got work, um, places that they can improve on. 
Yeah. All right. So what, what happens after the, the writing cycle? Okay. So the writing cycle and they get to publish, which is really cool. And there's a lot of room in there for choice um, and about extending people. So we're, like we were just saying then, it's about challenging people in that writing cycle. Then very importantly, we have lunch, um, which is a lovely social time. And we, you know, love hearing the conversations at lunchtime and sometimes it comes from what they've been doing. Yeah, After so. lunch, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more of um, uh, sort of smaller activities and we try and build in more uh, student-led activities. Yep. So we have, we run a let's move session straight after lunch to get everyone uh, back moving again. And that is organized each week by a student. So they might organize to do dancing or they might organize some, you know, some basic ball activities that are safe to use inside and that sort of thing. So they work with me on planning that and then they run that session. Now, I understand um, as we well that the, the students run their own footy tipping competition. Is that right? They do. Good. They do. That is very important uh, part of our week. Um, and those guys, the guy, the young man who actually runs it, it has just, yeah, it has been incredible for him because he was someone who came with very limited good world knowledge, you know, um, in strengths in that area, but very limited literacy, right, reading and writing. Yep. And so he, he's run the footy tipping. Now he actually at home uses his laptop to set up the table for the week ahead. So he's doing that independent literacy task that's meaningful to him in his own time through choice, which before yeah. he would never have, well, he didn't know how to use a laptop. Yeah, and that's cool. And I think yeah. what you said there, that it's meaningful to him, which is really important. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, know, and he's so proud standing up in front of the group and handing out the, the sheets and writing everybody's names on the top of the sheet every week and learning those capital letters and, and you know, writing people's names. And yeah, I think last week he actually came on the, he came on the Wednesday and he'd written out on a piece of Bill's cap paper every team, what their scores were and whether they won or lost. Yeah, that's cool. And so, yeah, that's like his handwriting as well. So yeah. um, then we have an opportunity also in the afternoons. We do, um, at the moment, we change this every term. But at the moment, we're doing sharing your work. So we have some students who are really, really motivated and they have they like to do their own work and they will create presentations or they will, whatever we did the week before, they will extend on it in their own time. And so I give them an opportunity, anybody who wants to, get up and show the rest of the class what they've done and we'll, sometimes it's a PowerPoint or or they do a little speech or whatever it is they want to present, just developing that confidence in front of the group. Yep. Um, and we always do reflections on our learning, which is about consolidating what we've learned and making connections between things. So, and we run little transition activities through the day as well. So, you know, little things like would you rather and everybody moves across one side of the room and uh, little activities that are about having your own opinion and saying what you think and yeah, good. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I think so, it's, yeah, done. there's a lot on in a day. But it, <laughs> it all just seems like fun. Um, but there's a lot of learning that goes on under each, underneath each little thing we do. 
Yeah, so um, I'm actually I'll, I'm going to chat with one of the students later in the podcast as well. And, oh, um, great. Yeah, I think the I haven't spoken to them yet, but the response that I generally get from latch-on participants when I ask them what they do at latch-on, generally they'll say we have lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah, because like, like you said earlier, they don't realise how much work they're actually getting through. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't realise that they've actually learned something new or they, they've had a go at doing something that they didn't think they could do, you know. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you in a few minutes what's been your highlight, you know, in the, the last eight months. But before I get to that one, I'll give you a bit of time to think yeah. about it. Yeah. Do you have any stories of, of student progress that you could probably share? Oh, probably a number. Let me yeah. think. So the, probably the young, one of the ones is the, the fellow I was talking about before with the tipping competition. Yep. He is a real standout because he's, He's an older gentleman. He's in his late. He's in his in his thirties and uh, very very low confidence with reading and writing, and but good world knowledge. But didn't have a way of sharing that knowledge or using that knowledge. So seeing him writing, doing his own research, independently, you know, publishing his texts and things. That's been a really big, really big um, improvement. Yep. We have a young lady who had has social anxiety yep. and at the beginning of the year was very, very quiet and in her school life has always been just like very quiet students, sat, listened to what everyone else says, um, missed quite a few days because of, you know, too, stress, too stressful to go to school. Well, now <laughs> after eight months, she like comes into the classroom, she, you know, has made one really, really great friendship in yeah. the group, um, in which she doesn't really have a lot of friendships outside of that. So that's probably her first real friendship that she's developed. Um, she gets up, she does presentations on all of her favourite movies, shows, interests. Um, she she actually makes connections with nearly everybody in our Latchon group. Yep. She's very empathetic and so, you know, listens to what people, the other students say and she asks them questions about themselves. So she's actually become a bit of a leader in our group. Good. So that has been a real transformation. And then yep. we've got a 17-year-old 17, 17 fellow who his mum said to me, you know, he's, he said, I don't know what it is, what's happened, but, you know, we haven't been able to get literacy, you can't, haven't been able to get it to stick. And that's the word she used. We haven't been able to get to stick. All of a sudden now, he's sending her these texts and they make sense. It, you know, they're communicating on technology and he's coming out with all this vocabulary that, you know, he wasn't using. So, yeah, that's been for them, for him and his mum, that's been a really huge development. Yeah, good. I imagine for, for for any young adult who hasn't been able to send text messages to be able to get to that point where they can communicate by text would be a pretty big milestone to reach. Oh, it's such a huge connector, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I think yeah, people these days, that's how we connect most really, Facebook Messenger yeah. and text and things like that. Yeah, so there's a couple of good stories of progress, but Janet, what's been, what's been the highlight? I know you've had that some ex is, you've had some excursions out of the classroom as well. I think. Yeah, some, we have, and some special yeah. guests as well. We have, yeah. So, yeah, there've been some really great moments. So, we 
had an excursion to a restaurant up the road called Zach's. Uh, a lot of planning went into that beforehand around, you know, menus and money and conversation and all that kind of thing. So you've been able to, you know, practice our skills and then use them in the real world was uh, fantastic. The students just loved every minute of it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, go back and do a review on the restaurant. That was great as well. Um, we had very special guests. So at the end of last term, we actually had a uh, showcase for families. So our students put on some, had written their own plays and they performed them, some very short ones. They also, you know, welcomed families into the, to our um, latch-on space. They provided some nibbles. They talked to families. So, and had all their work on display for people to, to, you know, for families to look at and for them to talk to them about. So that was a big highlight. Earlier this term, we actually had the Darling Dingoes oh, cool. uh, come and be part of our hot seat. So that was very cool. So we had um, three of the members who, who own the Darling Dingoes come and talk to us about what it was all about, answer all of our questions. Um, everyone, I think, ended up with a Darling Downs Dingo hat. And one of our students even got to go down for the, the weekend that they played in the Brisbane Premier League cricket down in Brizzy and it was a part of that. So, I, yeah, that was yeah. A, a wonderful opportunity for all That's, of our students. And mm. what you've just outlined is a, a whole bunch of sort of touch points with the wider community really, haven't you? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a program is good really when it can be linked in with the community and it goes beyond your learning space and that's what Latch-On is about. And as the program develops, it creates more opportunities for that, looking from yourself out to community and beyond. So, and then the last semester, is, you know, links in with employability and that kind of thing. So that is kind of that slow release um, yeah. into the community and beyond. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. Cool. Now I've got one more question and I'm, um, listeners to the podcast could be, you know, spread all over Queensland, perhaps all over Australia, really. We, um, we do, we run the latch on program in a number of locations throughout Queensland. So some people might be listening and thinking, oh, this, yeah, this might suit, suit me or this might suit us. Um, if I was to ask you, I guess, who was a suitable student for latch on? What would, what are some of the characteristics? How would you describe someone that would probably get the most out of latch on? Someone who is motivated to learn yep. new things, really, and that wants to be a part of part of a group of learners. That's really the basis of it. But it's that that common um, that common goal that all of our students have that they want to improve their literacy and they want to develop relationships and become more independent people and you know contribute in their communities. So it's very broad that, that um, a lot of people would fall into that category. Yeah, and I, I can see that when I look at your, at your class. You, you mentioned before that you have some students in their late 30s and I know you've got some others that are very young adults as well and not only yeah. a sort of a, uh, you know, wide range of age, I think of, I just think of some of the students in your group, the, the interests are very varied and so are the personalities as well which I think is probably the strength of, of how you have created such a good learning environment and a, and a community of learners. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really rich environment with all those personalities and, like I say, age groups. And our youngest student has the whole group of big brothers and sisters, you know, 
yeah. um, that actually do really um, mentor him and, and it's given him that opportunity to be mentors in that in that situation. So, yeah, the diversity and the disparity, it actually creates the richness, you know, yeah. Yeah. in the classroom and improves the learning, yeah. Now, I do know that you, you have had some inquiries from people over the last little while asking about how they can get involved and those sorts of things. You're, you know, eight months into this program. It's a two-year program, so almost halfway through it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll start another one um, after that, but potentially also commence another program if there's enough interest in Toowoomba even before that. Um, so if people are interested, they really should, you know, reach out and either... Um, contact the, the office or or if they want to prefer to chat with you, Janet, about sort of more Toowoomba-specific stuff, they can do that as well, can't they? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to talk to anyone, any questions that they have or just general information about the program and what it's about. Yeah, cool. Yep. Now, like I said before, um, next on the podcast, I'm going to talk to one of the students from your group. So um, you'll have to tune in to the podcast once it gets released to, to see what they've got to say about the program and uh, if, it, if it matches what you think you're delivering, Janet. <laughs> Can't wait to find out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for being part of the podcast, Janet. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. Right. Hey, Josh, how are you going? Hey, good, mate. You? Good. So I'm recording for the Down Syndrome Queensland podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to be a star, a podcast yeah. star. Yes. Can I can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. Hold it. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah. So we're talking about the latch on program. Tell me. Yes. You tell me what's your favourite thing about latch on. Oh my my latch on stuff is football footy tips. Oh, you like the footy tips? Yeah, because I pass around my friends around. Who's playing? I just pick who's. Playing. Yeah. Have you made friends at Latchon? Yes, I did. Who Who are they? What are their names? Uh, Josh Vile, the man, Meg, Rose, Mitch, Eddie. Yeah. Now, and I heard too that now because you made those friends, you're also doing touch footy now. Is that right? Yes, with Janet. Yeah, that's good. How is Janet? Uh, Janice was okay. It's good. Yeah. Do you think she's a good teacher? Yes. Yeah. What are some of the things that you like? I know both teachers. It's good. Yeah. It's that Susie and Lara as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they told me that you you tend to help some of the other guys as well. Yes, I am. Yeah. That's good that you help the others. Yeah. Do they help you sometimes too? Yes. Yeah. Good. What are some of the things that you do at Latchon, other than the footy tipping? About Toowoomba stuff. Yeah. I think you went on a – did you go to yeah. a cafe for lunch one day? Yeah, one day I will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? I will, I will, yeah, I'll ask my sister first. Yeah. If someone else was thinking about joining the Latchon class, what would you tell them? Is it a good idea? Yeah. Sorry. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Did you need to talk to me or something? Yeah. So I just I was asking Josh a few questions about what's his favourite part and what he likes. He says he's met some new friends, and I heard that he's doing the touch footy now as well. Yes, and um, the um, afternoon on sports, which he normally does today, but we're 
not there today. So yeah, cool. Yeah. So Natasha, I wanted to ask you what when you first seen Latch on advertised, what was your initial interest in it? Why did you think it was something for Josh? Um I thought um I think that Josh never really has really done stuff for himself. And I thought it'd be a good inter- introduction for him to be able to explore himself and develop who he is a, as a person. So yep. he's worked most of his life. So when he left school, he got put into work straight away. And I don't think he's been given that opportunity. Yep. So now, so he actually left work and now he's actually just doing this. Yep. So that's the main reason why it sort of got me to focus on that. Yeah. Hey, come here. Yeah. You've got a full house there. Yeah, we do. We <laughs> always do. <laughs> um, so so I don't, I'm not sure. Did Josh, I think he joined in the first couple of weeks at least. So it's been probably eight months. Um, yes. Have you have you noticed any change in, in Josh and in his, in his confidence or his, his um, yeah, comprehension? I have. Yes, I have. Excuse me. Can you please get down? Yes. Um, he's had... Um, yeah, he's he's um, more confident in himself because he's got connections and um, and and built relationships, and I think that's a good foundation. Yeah. Um, because when he first started, as you were aware, he wanted support with him. Yeah. Yeah, and now that's sort of reduced, and he feels comfortable to be with people, like even with with Janet, like to meet up with Janet at Touch and stuff like that, and explore other opportunities that are within yep. the community now. Yeah. Um. He feels excited about exploring his feelings and about um, his interests and likes and stuff like that. So I think that's another development. Yeah, that's good. And when I spoke to Janet earlier, I think um, she was talking about some participants in the group that she's seen. When I asked her about, you know, stories of progress, she talked about some participants who are really starting to be able to, I guess, um, express their feelings and their ideas and their opinions a lot more than what they had in the past, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's what I think this is also happening with Josh. He's, yeah, his vocabulary, his senses are being more, um, ex- being explored. And so his perception is starting to become more heightened, if yep. that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't like this because it's too salty. I don't like this because it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and what he, and in and, and a level of acceptance. Okay, I don't like this and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. good. Yeah. So if there's um, people listening to the podcast now that they're sort of considering latch on for their loved one, what sort of advice would you give them? Or I guess what what, what have you learned? What have your expectations been of the program so far? Um, I didn't really have any expectations because I learned not to have any. Yeah. Um, because um, we just sort of try. You don't know how people are going to respond to things and you don't know um, whether or not um, – um, if it's if it's going to be a right fit, but all I'd say is, um, all you can do is try. Yeah, and I think in this, give it a go and, and see if it fits with you. And there's good opportunities not just for um, you to develop yourself, but also social connections. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think we've had a number so, of people in the program that sort of start as a trial based and come for a few weeks. And like you mentioned, I think Josh bought support for a few weeks, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so my brother did go with support because he was a bit sort of uh, dubious and now he's going freely. All right, Natasha, I can I can hear you've got your hands full with other kids running around. So please thank Josh for his, his time on the podcast. You're welcome. All the best with it.
Dr. Anne Jobling, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's a pleasure indeed to be part of a podcast. Yeah, and I should also publicly thank you for such short notice as well. And now I imagine some of the listeners um, will recognise your name from from perhaps some work that you've done. So do you want to um, perhaps maybe give us a brief overview of why some people might recognise the name Dr. Anne Jobling? Yeah, they might recognise it seeing uh, I've been involved in a longitudinal study of children and their families with Down syndrome since 1978. And maybe I've uh, nursed the baby or made a cup of coffee or taken some video or been out to see their son or daughter at the preschool, um, chased them up for some data I needed. It's a whole heap of reasons between 1978 and when I retired in 2004 um, that uh, people might recognise the name. Some might recognise it too for um, my involvement in the early days with the establishment of the Down syndrome uh, parent group. Uh, Dr Pat Gunn and I attended uh, annual general meetings. I was also involved with Dr Glennis Mann in putting together some educational material for teachers. So along those kind of areas and um, parts of my life uh, involved with uh, Down syndrome, uh, people might recognise my name. Yeah, I think yeah, particularly if they're parents of adults with Down syndrome in Queensland, they'll probably come across your name or some of your work at some point. I think, um, not sure whether I told you this, but uh, a while ago we did some training and I invited some people along and one of the parents said, yes, I have to come along because um, she, she said, uh, Anne Jobling and a few others that were there as well, are like celebrities to me. I've read all their work. So oh. yeah. <laughs> your reputation certainly does precede you. Yeah, and it, it's the, the Down syndrome longitudinal study would not have um, continued so long without the parent involvement. Our parents have been a, a magical group, all those uh, parents uh, years ago who uh, embarked on this adventure with us. Um, they were just a fantastic lot. And having their involvement as well as a terrific team, including uh, present people who are working on the project, um, yeah. projects in the program, um, without them we wouldn't have um, discovered and um been able to do all the things we have been able to do. So yeah, which is so much, which is so much, and yeah. Yeah, part so of that, part of that okay. is the Latron program. So the the Latron yeah. program is yeah, is the the topic of of this this podcast. So tell me where does where does Latron fit into that sort of greater research project? How long ago was it, and sort of how did it get started? Well, I guess it got started in, in 1998, but well before 1998 into the 1990s, many of the uh, young um, teenagers were graduating from high school um, or integrated settings or special schools. And um, there was a general concern amongst the research team that there were no, there was just a lack of educational opportunities or opportunities for uh, these young people with Down syndrome who had, we had tracked their development and we were confident that they had more 
uh, ability that could be tapped. So um, from about 1992, uh, a group of us um, were teaching in the School of Education and uh, we were very anxious to um, launch some kind of post-school option for um, children with Down syndrome, particularly leaving school, although uh, others with intellectual disability uh, joined the Latch-On program. So we started in 1998. Um, Myself and Dr. Karen Mooney was a part-time English curriculum person in the School of Education and Dr. Jan Lloyd was the research manager and she had expertise in um, early learning. So we more or less started with a bit of a wing and a prayer to mm -hmm. uh, develop um, we always say we started the program to learn from the young people what we didn't know. And over five years uh, with research and um, and help from parents too, parents uh, were very much important uh, part of our research into how would we put together a post-school literacy program and we considered literacy to be such a marginalised aspect of the options that were offered post-school to young yeah. people, intellectual disability, Down syndrome. So that's how we got started. Five years of research, learning what we didn't know, and, um, and, and the focus was that every young person who came to latch on had some abilities and uh, everybody could learn. And so from there, um, latch on developed. Yeah, and it, it didn't stop there. I know you've, you know, we caught up a, a couple of weeks ago and you said there's there's additional units now that can be studied. And I know there's, even when I did the key teacher training with you a little while ago as well, there was additional activities and you'd made adjustments on some aspects of the program. So it sort of continues to improve as you learn along the way with us, I guess, the DSQ as a licensee as we deliver it, don't you? Absolutely. Our licensees are very important. Uh, Ireland has been a, a fantastic licensee for us, and we've learnt uh, we've learnt so much from the teachers, uh, from the tutors, from the students, and and it is it is not a um, set program. We are upgrading it continually because of re any recent research. We we uh, tap into that. Of course, we collect data which gives us a window into how uh, the work that is in the program is um, facilitating uh, the development of literacy amongst youngsters with uh, intellectual disability, Down syndrome in particular. And it it's really uh, sits in that kind of human rights and equity area um, that these young people uh, deserve an equal opportunity to uh, continue their education and um, become citizens of, of, of the world and our country. It empowers them as consumers of products um, so that they can stay effectively informed um, yeah. of the world. So, and, and that's important to us as well as the reading, writing, creativity, oral language, all those components that are in latch on. Yeah, I spoke to Janet, who's our teacher of the Toowoomba program earlier, and she talked about um, 
I asked her what a general, what a normal day at Latchon looks like, and what she described to me was uh, connecting with community, uh, building friendships and relationships, building confidence, uh, all those sort of things that I guess literacy can open up opportunities in. Yeah, literacy—it's it's not just the reading and writing. Yep. Um, it is uh, those opportunities that being literate uh, can open up to an oral communication for for many of our young people, is a, a very uh, important aspect in the program. And uh, and many young people actually start to speak and parents have reported to us, my goodness, he seems to have a lot to say these days that he never had before or she. Yeah, I've heard a few of those comments. Talk on topics that I didn't even know that he or she knew about. So those kind of areas are. You know, we have um, we had over 200 participants in the program. The age range has been from just post-school, 18, 17, 18. But we've also had some older learners and one notable learner in um, from uh, an Irish pro from one of the Irish programs. She was actually going to be left behind in a group home. All the other members of the group home were uh, considered uh, that considered they would go to latch on and benefit from it, but Ada was going to be left behind. And um, the teacher of the program said, oh, let her come. It's not fair that she stays behind. Well, Ada became a, an absolute uh, gem, even gave the address uh, at uh, the graduation to the mayor of the uh, city in which the program was running. Yeah. So uh, these kind of things are just are just magical moments for us. Yeah, I was gonna, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, over all these years, what have been some of the highlights? So that's certainly one of them. Uh, does uh, anything uh, else come to mind? Well, one of the highlights, I think, and this might sound like a backhanded highlight, but a highlight has been the challenge. You know, uh, it, it's not an intervention program set in stone. And many of the young people have really challenged the team, the Latchon team, to um, just work through how best uh, teachers can perhaps deliver the program to facilitate the development of, the, of these young people. Um, so a challenge, the, the challenge remains, and that's why I'm still involved, because it still challenges me as an educator to put together the importance of the a highlight is really the, the targeted learning that enables the progress of the young people. Um, uh, Dr. Monica Koskelly and I, over the, as I said, we were um, involved in this longitudinal study and we collected a whole lot of um, data on receptive language and we published a paper on that receptive language uh, progress of youngsters with Down syndrome from two through to 12, 13. And one of the things that when we processed that data, we found was that the receptive language starts to seems to start to decline around about 12, 13, 14. Wow. That was a concern. And then we thought, well, Let's look and see what the receptive language scores are for our Latchon students. And rather than seeing a decline 
in the receptive language scores, we saw an increase right across the board. Wow. And that, was, that was just so, such a great moment, such a joyous moment to think that. Anecdotally, we, we thought that had happened, but it was the data that showed it to us. So that, that was fantastic. Yeah, that's incredible. And when I talk to people about the program, that's generally sort of what I will go back to, that, you know, it's, it's developed and backed by the research. Absolutely. The research is a fundamental part and I, I feel sometimes that the teachers think, oh, my God, Father, we've got to do these assessments. But without that research, it's just like any other program that you can pick off the shelf and um, take, a, take a training course in and uh, off you go. Yeah. So it's that ongoing research and, and parents are part of that research as well. In Ireland they did a um they did some focus groups with parents to see, well, you're paying for this program, how are you finding it? How's it is it affecting your household, your youngster with uh, intellectual disability or down and or down syndrome. Um and the families were about to publish a paper with some of that data. And the families just um, were so surprised at how motivated their young person had become, or even their thirty-year-old had become. They'd been mm. sitting around at home, and like it's a, one mother said, I had to get a prod to get him out of bed to get him going, except on election days. He yep. was up and dressed and off. Another uh, parent talked about the um, how in their workplace and, and in the community, he came home with many more uh, conversations about what had happened during his day or her day. Um, and, and that's great for parents, you know, in, to feel as though their young person is much more a part of the community where they work or if they play footy or netball yep. or whatever they do. Mm. Yeah, I've had, um, I've had some feedback from Good. Yep. Yes. So you reminded me of some feedback I received once from a, a parent who told me that their young person now has opinions about things I've never had opinions about and has more opinions, which is just wonderful, isn't it? Particularly yeah. for a young adult. Mm. Yep. And then becoming more independent, um, that can be a challenge for us all when our children become more independent, but it is a wonderful thing that, that you see. And this is, this is, as a result, not of an intervention program, not of some structured thing. It's a blending of what we know um, makes good teaching um, around the area of literacy in a socio-cultural context, um, mixed with the abilities and skills that the young people bring. Um, we say that they are experts in their own lives. They know about their own life. They know. Mm -hmm where they are and what they can do. Um, we just want to challenge them with uh, this educational program. And we build it around adult themes. You know, it's not, we're not, uh, although they have to, some of them have to learn um, uh, some phonics um, in order to decode words or to write words that they might want to use in a story. Um, we teach it in an adult form. It's not taught in a, you know, grade one, grade two. We, yeah. They are adults and uh, so 
they're taught in that format. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We I talked a little bit about that with Janet as well, that it's an, an adult learning environment and um, expectations are, are discussed around what that means and around decision making and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah and tell me, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say the beginning of the program. Um, there's quite a few weeks where you actually look at, you know, what are their goals? What are our goals? Uh, what are the expectations we have about being part of this classroom group? Yep. So um, when you, and, and throughout the, the year, thing that's a two-year, two-day-a-week program, um, you can revisit some of those if uh, things are not going as well as, as uh, initially was hoped for an individual, we can go back. Or, what were your goals when you yep. came to that's on? Yep. Where are we at now? Do we need to adjust, adjust those goals? Um, it's your learning environment and we're there to help you. So, Anne, what, if someone was listening to the podcast and sort of starting to think Latchon might be for them, what, what sort of person do you think Latchon is for? What sort of goals should they have and what, I guess, level of literacy skills do they need to make the most of Latchon? Latchon has no um, set literacy skills um, as such. So we've had um, students who have been nonverbal um, in the program. I can think of four at least who've, um, who've done very well in the program and instead of um, have used uh, the, the staff have taught um, nonverbal students to use PowerPoints to talk about topics that they have been interested in. Um, and expand their writing particularly so that they can use that as their mode of communication. Yep. Um, so we've also had students who really don't even recognise letters nor sounds. So the level of, in, of literacy ability or reading, writing, speaking ability is not a big issue for the program. However, the person must be able to work in a group, um, and I hesitate to use the word behaviour because it has certain connotations that um, teachers put good or bad in front of. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it is that they need, uh, and they need to be able to work in a classroom context yep. and be part of that classroom context. They can influence the context. You know, it may be on a particular topic, they have a different view from somebody else, that's fine, um, but they must, they need to be able to be part of a, a classroom group and um, and take on the responsibility of being a learner. Yeah, good. Yeah, when I spoke to Janet before, um, she talked about how the the, her group particularly, how they, they work so well together. They share ideas, they support each other and feel safe around each other, which is creates an environment where they can learn so much more. Uh, indeed. And, and building those relationships between each other uh, is just key to, and the program, of course, uh, facilitates that in, in yeah. a large extent. Um, but we find ways in which uh, students can express their creativity or be involved in writing poetry or essays or plays or at whatever yeah. level they, they wish to yeah. do that. And there's a, 
it's a whole series of um, scaffolds that teachers can use to help students put together their ideas, which yeah. are very important, very important indeed. Mm. You, you mentioned something before about good teaching. Now, part of the part of the licence agreement that we have to deliver the program is that it, it needs to be run by qualified teachers and, and those teachers also need to undertake some significant training with um, specifically on Latron. Do you want to talk about why those sort of measures were put in place? Yes, I, I, um, it was felt after we'd, uh, we'd done our five years of work that we needed to look at how best to deliver the program. And as a result of an examination of ourselves and how we delivered it and what was being um, uh, revealed to us by the research, we felt it was most important to have a teaching, someone with a teaching background yep. as the key teacher, we call them key teachers, in a site. And the second important aspect of the educational framework for the classroom, if you like, or the site uh, where the students were to learn, was that um, in order to assist the teacher that two tutors should be part of that classroom. These tutors do not necessarily need teacher a teacher qualification, but the key teacher definitely needs a teacher qualification. And then they undertake um, both the key teacher for the site and the tutors take undertake what's called a key teacher training program, which is what builds on what a teacher knows, um, exposing them to the latch on uh, ideas, philosophy and framework. Yeah, good. So good. It, it, a teacher is, is a care worker is fine. We have some marvellous care workers across the dis disability sector but and we have some wonderful parents across the disability sector. But because this is an educational program, it was imperative that the key person at each site should have a teacher qualification. Yep. And I've seen firsthand the benefits of that. So, yeah, we, we run multiple programs across different locations and we have good teachers in each. And I myself have learnt from them and they have a pretty good working relationship across the team as well and learn from each other. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, often, it's really it's interesting sometimes hearing them talk about how they've overcome challenges or things that they've put in place to accommodate people's needs um, so that educational background has really brought some value for us to the program yeah and educationally too um, if you've had a done a teacher training de um, degree you've you've got knowledge of development of yep. um, uh, antecedents for behaviors and you're you're more keenly you more keenly observe the students from an educational perspective and that can help your tutors and and all your parents and across your teaching staff uh, like in Ireland they had um, 15 teaching staff key teachers at one point in time well they were all connected to each other so they had uh, a wonderful relationship where they could share ideas you know we're finding this is not working have you tried this so forth and so on? It was yeah. wonderful, 
Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier Ireland a couple of times. Yeah, so do you want to share with the listeners um, yeah, where else Latchon has been run? So I think it has been a few different other places. Yes, Latchon has been run in, uh, on Vancouver Island in Canada. Um, it was run there um, not by um, a disability-specific group but by um, a community college in this community college, they ran programs for people with intellectual disability across a range of, um, I guess you could call them work placements. And uh, some of the staff involved in, in those programs uh, saw the need for um, a better, um, an improvement in the literacy before they went on to do um, perhaps childcare or uh, being a support person in a nursery, having a lawn mowing business or uh, being a, a barista or in a hairdressing salon. Um, and so um, the dean of the Comox College through one of their staff members got in contact with us. Uh, they got a grant through their department, the state, the provincial department of uh, education and training, which is a bit like our TAFE, probably. Yep. Um, and we delivered uh, latch on into the community colleges uh, at Comox, at Campbell River and at Port Alberni. And that was an exciting time for us um, to be involved. We had quite a lot of First Nations uh, students, yep. um, especially among the Port Alberni. Then uh, we've also had interest from, of course, Ireland is an outstanding success, uh, but we've also had interest from the United States. The main um, hurdle for us with uh, delivering the program in the United States is that a lot of the programs are run out of the universities. A lot of them are intervention programs and connected to university uh, or colleges. And just how the structure would work for them is a little difficult. We're, um, we talk to them regularly, but um, just haven't quite been able to put it together so it could work for them. Yeah. And often it's based around personnel that we've known, um, although can neither Canada nor Ireland, they, uh, they just came to us. We, we want your program in now in our colleges. Yeah, and I know some of the inquiries we get um, aren't, no, aren't normally based on the promotion that we do. It's they've, they've either heard about the program from someone else or they've seen it somewhere else. So people are mm. certainly aware of it. Um, yeah. We're almost out of time, Anne. Um, I was going to finish with the question around what you highlight, but you've sort of you've, you've covered so many of them. Um, you do know, and I think... There's a, there's a highlight coming up for you, I think. You know that we run this program in Toowoomba, Gold Coast and Brisbane and um, we're just about to start it on the Sunshine Coast, which I, I hope is going to be a highlight for you given that um, I think you're based up that area, aren't you? I am indeed. I retired to, um, to Sunshine Beach on the um, Sunshine Coast and I have uh, poked around all sorts of places here on the Sunshine Coast trying to... Um, see if someone um, or some group uh, may be interested. And I'm just absolutely delighted to think that um, 
I think it's Sapphire Disability Services, is it? That's, <clears throat> that's right. Yep. So we're partnering with Sapphire to deliver the program in, in October. So, yeah, I it's exciting for us. Oh, very exciting for me. And I think the, the fact that uh, parents can find uh, um, some way to fund their young person in the program and you uh, in the Down Syndrome Association of Queensland have been able to find that pathway for um, parents. Uh, initially, um, the very first latch-on students were funded by the state government through a program called Moving Ahead. Um, and, uh, and that certainly was a great um, help, I think, to parents to um, enrol the, the youngsters yeah. in latch-on and to help us develop it. So yeah. very exciting coming to the Sunshine Coast. Good. I think it, it completes the picture, Andrew. <laughs> oh, good, great. Well, let's let's art. yeah, let's wrap it up there. But uh, one final question: I will put you on the spot. If you if you had to describe Latchon in only two or three words, what would those words be? Uh, education to move you forward. Excellent. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. <laughs> education to move you forward. Very important. Extremely Do important uh, and no Do opportunities. Dr. Anne thank you so much for your time on the podcast. Delighted, Andrew, and, and thanks to the Down Syndrome Association of Queensland for their enthusiasm. It was terrific. What a joy. What a joy. So that brings this episode of the Now and the Future podcast to an end. Anne described the Latchon program as education to move you forward. Janet used words like inspiration, empowering, life-changing, inclusive and confidence-building and it was clear that Josh had experienced those things as well. If you'd like to know more about the Latch-On program, call the Down Syndrome Queensland office on 07 3356 6655. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear any episodes from previous seasons, or more information on any subject relating to Down syndrome, visit our website www.downsyndrome.org.au forward slash Queensland. That's www.downsyndrome.org.au forward slash QLD. You have been listening to the Now and the Future podcast. For more information about this episode and many other topics related to Down syndrome, please visit the Down syndrome Queensland website at downsyndrome.org.au slash QRD. Down syndrome Queensland, supporting people with Down syndrome now and into the future.